Hello, and welcome to episode five of season 10. In this episode, I speak with Sean Van Dyke. Sean is a construction business coach, author, and speaker. Based in the USA, he works internationally with clients to help them run better construction businesses. I can't wait to share his knowledge and advice with you because even though it may sound strange that I'm speaking to a construction business coach, uh, for you, my homeowning audience, I think as a homeowner, for you to actually know what best practice is and to know the steps that Sean recommends to find a contractor or builder that you can trust, it's actually going to be game changing for you new build or renovation. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. I'm really looking forward to sharing this interview with you because my guest has some brilliant advice to share on how you can select your contractor or builder, the types of conversations to have with them before you hire them, and then how to work with them in a really productive way. This is a really candid, you know, opening the doors approach on construction businesses and what good quality building operation actually looks like in how they do their projects, work with their clients and run their businesses versus the dodgy operators who give the building industry a bad name. Now, I first discovered Sean Van Dyke on social media, and I really liked how frankly he spoke about construction and the business of construction. He speaks a lot about the kinds of things that I talk with you about, about the importance of your builder or contractor getting involved early in your project, how contractors and builders need to have systems and processes to run their projects efficiently, and how key effective communication is in a good quality project. I knew I had to get him on the podcast because even though sometimes his advice can be a little confronting as a homeowner, he really likes to call it like it is. You know, he has such a passion for the industry and and a passion for everyone having a great experience in their projects. And he has gold to share about how to ensure this happens in yours because of what he teaches contractors and builders to do in their businesses. He speaks from experience being you know, from previously being a contractor himself and now working with contractors and builders all over the world. So let me tell you a little bit more about Sean. So as I said, Sean Van Dyke is a construction business coach. He's the author of two books, Profit First for Contractors and The Paperwork Punch List, 28 Days to Streamline Your Construction Business. Most contractors are not profitable, which makes them feel uncertain about what they need to do to grow their construction businesses. And Sean believes construction business owners should be as good at business as they are their craft. He here. That's why after 20 plus years of owning and operating multiple construction businesses, Sean became a construction business coach. He now works with construction business owners, executives and managers all over the world and shows them how to stop losing profits and wasting time. Sean helps contractors get their lives back. He's also a keynote speaker and fine home building brand ambassador and fine home building is a very popular building and renovating magazine in the States and you can find him all over social media sharing his knowledge and experience. He does not mince words. He gives practical advice to contractors so that he can accomplish his mission to change the way the 
the world views the trades. And he believes that the best way to accomplish his mission is to help contractors run world-class businesses so that they are seen for what they truly are. Business professionals who provide an extraordinary service through their devotion to their craft, their customers and their communities. Sean is based in Knoxville, Tennessee, where he lives with his wife and five kids. (laughs) Now, I know that as homeowners, from my conversations with you guys, that some of that stuff about contractors and builders making more profits, about about them not running profitable profitable businesses may trigger you. You know, that it's something that I think that is this general belief that I see when I speak to homeowners or when I dive into the online forums, there's this real uh, dislike for the fact that contractors seem to be Uh, you know, making money, that they seem to be making a profit, that there seems to be, you know, this profit kind of hidden behind this lump sum. I want to, I really want to dispel that idea around, around the fact that contractors and builders can't make money or that they shouldn't make money. We talk about it in the podcast and uh, we talk about it more in, in more detail, but I just want to say up front, you want your builder You want your contractor to be running a profitable business. You want them to be running a profitable business because a profitable business is a sustainable one and a sustainable one lasts the long term and that's what your house needs to do, okay? So whatever they're doing for you, however you're working with them, you want them being a good business operator and unfortunately builders and contractors are not taught when they become builders and contractors about how to run businesses. They're taught how to do their craft and then they decide that they want to have their own business doing it and that's how they step up into it. And unfortunately, so many builders and contractors do not know how to run businesses effectively, which means that they end up chasing their tails, they're panicking, they don't have good cash flow, they then you know, drop their systems and processes or they don't have them in the first place, they're not working well with their clients and customers, they're not communicating well with you and it all goes to hell in a handbasket. So, you know, I always encourage you to look for the operators who are operating like business professionals because that's what you want to find. Every time I've seen building projects go well, it's because the builder took their business seriously. They didn't treat it like a hobby. They didn't treat it like something that they didn't need to make a profit from. They acted like a professional who took care of their customers and were growing a sustainable business. All right. And a sustainable business makes a profit. Okay. So, I I really encourage you to listen to the advice that Sean shares. He has a wealth of experience and knowledge when it comes to what good construction business operations look like. It's what he's teaching his clients, his coaching clients, and he's got some fantastic tips and strategies and conversation starters and advice for you as a homeowner to be able to find this. And when you find this, it means that you don't fall for the dodgy operators. You don't fall for for the builders operating their business out of a glove box. You don't fall for the cheapest price and end up with heartache and horror stories and disaster on your project. You end up with the finished home that you're paying for, that you've been dreaming of, and that you know will last for decades to come, and that the builder will still be there to help you out in the future. Okay, so without further ado, let's dive into the interview. 
Well, Sean, it's absolutely awesome to have you here. I have uh, I have interacted with you and I've watched you on Instagram for some time now. Really excited about what you're doing uh, for the construction industry in the States. But also, I mean, Instagram and social media make the world a very small place. We all get to share this information. And I'm realizing more and more in the research and the work that I do for American homeowners, how similar the challenges that we you know face uh, building and renovating here in Australia as much as building and renovating in the USA. So it's really awesome to have you here, as I said, you're on a mission to change the way that the world views the trades. And what do you think that view actually is? Because I can imagine for our homeowner listening audience, they have some particular views about trades and, and contractors and builders. So, yeah, I say that. In, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. And this, the, the uh, social media and technology does make it a very small world. I'm here in Knoxville, Tennessee in the United States and you're in Australia and we get to have a conversation like we're next door. So this is, this is awesome. Uh, but to, to answer the question, I think, and I say this a lot in my speeches that I give is I think that society looks down on the trades. Now I do think that, that, that trend is changing a little bit because they, there just aren't any, plumbers and electricians and carpenters and masons and and uh, framers anymore there really there really aren't because we haven't society hasn't been encouraging them hasn't been encouraging kids and younger generations to go into the trades and it's uh, everybody goes to college and which is fine there's, there's nothing wrong with that until you need a roofer or a plumber or an electrician and they're all busy or they're all booked up and and so no one I have five kids and my wife used to get frustrated when I saw this trend coming and I said, I, I don't care if my kids go to college. I really don't. And and she was like, oh, my gosh, you can't say that. And I was like, college is different now than it was when when I went. And so and just looking at where the jobs are now and where they're going to be in the future, I just not so sure that if my kids, if they don't if they don't know what they want to do. First of all, me as a me as a parent, that's my job to make sure that they, you know, have figured something out by them. But 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 I don't think that college is a is a great way to figure something out because technology is free. The the world is at your fingertips now and so you can figure that out. So I'm like, "Oh, go to college, get a degree if you know you need a degree to do the thing that you want to do. If not, maybe just go to work for a while because there's all sorts of jobs being created." And that's the other thing about college. It's great, but by the time you get out, the jobs there that are available weren't probably weren't available when you were in college. I mean, technology is moving you know so fast. So, what it means to me, you know, in in wanting to change the way the world views the trades is that when society looks down on those of us in construction as some kind of lesser job, like I said, until they need us to fix something, and then we become very very important to them. Um, and, and uh, there's a lot of people in the trades that I know that run very successful, very good businesses. And some of them went to colleges and, but many of them, many of them didn't. And, um, and I, and I believe that, that the contractors should be able to stand right next to the attorneys and the lawyers at the cocktail party and be at the same, you know, at the same level, um, you know, socio, uh, socially and economic wise or whatever, because when the roof's leaking, all of those guys and gals become very, very valuable. And so my, the way I said I want to change the way the world views the trades is by helping b construction business owners run a profitable business because many of them are not running a profitable business. They're extremely good at their craft. They're extremely good at their trade and they take care of their, their families and their customers and their communities, but they're not making money 
doing it. And that's what sads me. So I want to change the way the world views the trades by helping contractors run world-class businesses so that people can say, Hey, my neighbor's a contractor and he's doing really well for himself. Or my, you know, my friend is a plumber and she has no debt and drives a nice truck or has a boat. That's what I always say is every plumber I know has a boat. <laughs> and so, so I want to make it really attractive uh, from, from just a, from just not only a profitability, but just, it's a great career, uh, to get into. Yeah. I think that's actually a great attitude because, uh, yeah, I often think I've got three young children and I think, you know, they say to us a lot of the time that the school system that we have isn't really, um, set up to train kids for jobs that potentially don't even exist yet. The world is changing at such a rapid pace. And so, for, I mean, there's a beautiful opportunity for kids these days, I suppose, to not necessarily be on that college or university track the same way that potentially, you know, yours and my generation was that it was sort of just the accepted thing that you finished school and then you went into a tertiary education um, platform. But for kids to understand that, hey, figure out what's going to suit you the best, figure out what the pathway to that is, and then let's wrap some support and encouragement around that. I think I know from my homeowning, homeowner listening community that there's a lot of negativity when it comes to how people view contractors, builders um, and subcontractors and trades. And for me, I know I've worked with so many great people in the industry that I know that it's a few bad eggs, you know, basically ruining it for a lot of people. There's still that general impression that tradespeople, you know, they're messy. They turn up late. They don't communicate well. They, you know, they're difficult to get hold of. They, they're not reliable. What do you think some of those hurdles are that we need to overcome to really, I suppose, help shine a light on those great operators in the industry and to to help build the bridge, I suppose, between that homeowner community and those good tradespeople and that just just remove that that barrier and belief system that then helps homeowners find great tradespeople and builders and contractors. Yeah, you mean like from the from the homeowner's perspective? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So for homeowners, if you call a contractor and they're available, there's a reason. The good ones aren't. The good ones aren't available um, and you have to make an appointment with them and and you have to get on their schedule. I say it's just like, yeah, you know, there are certainly times where, and there are certain places here in the States, and I'm sure it's like this in Australia, where, for example, if you wanted an appointment with your doctor that you would call and they would tell you the available times that you can come in. Sure, you could walk into a doctor's office and there are some doctors that are that are set up where you can, uh, you know, an emergency care type of thing where you can come in and you can sit there and you can wait hours. Right. So the contractors are the same professional, the same same way. So if your contractor isn't uh, is available, there's probably a reason why. Now, that doesn't mean he's necessarily he or she is necessarily bad, um, but that's an indication of the really good ones. The ones that are that are going to that are running a really good business and going to be really able to serve you. Um, they've got a process and part of that process is a schedule and they're going to put you on their schedule because you can't walk into a doctor's office and say, well, I'd like to come in um, Saturday morning before the kids soccer games. And the doctor's going to say, well, that's fine. You'll sit here for four hours because our next appointment is available at this time. Um, so from a homeowner's perspective, again, we understand I understand that homeowners want something done, especially when they make a decision to do a remodeling project. We want to get going. That's why you've got to start the planning process two months, three months before you even think that you're going to get started because the good contractors, it's going to take that amount of time to plan, to schedule and get, you know, and so that they can do their process and serve you. 
Yeah, I think that's a fantastic way to look at it. I mean, I think uh, one of the things that we encourage uh, homeowners to think about is that builders run businesses during business hours and that there is this, um, I suppose, this this difficulty that a lot of builders have to manage client expectations around what their availability is. And it's, it's like you say, you know, a lot of a lot of builders aren't taught, we've spoken about this before to the UA community, builders aren't necessarily taught when they do their training as a builder to run businesses in terms of their communication skills, their business operation, their management of client expectations and all those types of things. They're craftspeople that love their craft and work their way up in the industry that way. Mm-hmm. So it is, I, I see a lot of builders really struggle with saying to a client, well, sorry, I can't come out at 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning. It has to be during business hours. You're going to have to take some time off work in order for me to be able to organise this meeting. And so they do, they try and squeeze it around the edges and then find that they don't actually have the time to do what they, they promised that they would. So I think it's really fantastic to think about you need to get on a schedule you need to be working with people and you and I've spoken about this across Instagram and it's something that Dwayne and I talk to our community a lot about about the importance of getting builders in very early in the process so that you can create that collaborative model and it means that a builder can get you on their schedule months and months in advance and work a a far better process into the whole thing so I really am keen to hear your thoughts on what a homeowner can do to know that they can trust their contractor before they hire them. You know, the kinds of checks that they should be doing, the kinds of questions that they should be asking to know that they're creating and choosing somebody based on the right relationship that's going to work with them well. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some really easy things that you should you should do uh, regardless of the project, or or really regardless of whether you're hiring a contractor or an attorney or even your mechanic. Um, you're gonna you know check around. You're gonna call call around to people and and ask the contractor for references. And all all the good contractors will have references. But realize, just like anybody else that runs a business, they're going to give you the people that are going to say wonderful things about them. So. Uh, so just expect that. But but like like anybody you would be bringing into your home or hiring to do work, you just need to interview them. And there's some basic things like licensing that, that you want to check on, insurance. But then also you want to ask them uh, about how long that they have worked with some of their subtrades. Um, that's always a good indication. But 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 don't be thrown off either if uh, if a contractor says, well, we have a new electrician that we're working with uh, because they might – have realized that the old one wasn't serving them and their clients well, but it's just those just having a conversation with the with the um, with the contractor and interviewing them like you would be interviewing anybody else for for a job. That's really what it is. And the good contractors have all the all the answers to all of your questions. And when and there's almost no question that you could ask a good contractor that they won't uh, that they won't have confidence in answering. And and just be prepared as the homeowner. You are not the expert. It doesn't matter how long you've been studying this project or thinking about it. You have to understand you don't do this every single day. So there's something that you may believe and someone else may have told you like, oh, you have to get three bids or a contractor, especially here in the States, a contractor should only charge this much. You got to throw all that stuff out the window and uh, and realize that you're dealing with a business owner and that business owner determines the way he or she runs his or her business. And and when you ask them a question and they say, no, we don't do it that way, it, it doesn't matter if a hundred other people do it that way, if that contractor decides to do whatever it is, the way they structure their contracts, the way that they do the scheduling, the payment plan, whatever it is, you kind of have to take a seat back and say, okay, 
this is their business. Now, you may not agree with that. Then go find somebody else. And that and that's fine. But don't be put off when a contractor confidently corrects you. Uh, it's just like I wouldn't go to my doctor and say, well, I think this is what's wrong with me. He says, well, no, it's a symptom of something else. And we're going to we're going to actually do it this way. Um, I'm not going to say, well, no, you know, I looked on the Internet and I, w- I watched uh, uh, I watched a TV show with doctors. And I think that I think I know what, you know how this is supposed to go. So for homeowners, just be just ask a lot of questions and the good contractors are going to be able to confidently answer those. Yeah, I love that's I love it. And I love the analogy as well, because it is it's very much um, we are fed a diet of reality TV of um, a lot of information we can access online conversations that we have with neighbors and friends. And it does you do kind of come down to this thought process that it has to be a certain way. And this is a relationship that you're entering that's going to potentially last for months and months. And, uh, and you know, you will be spending more time with this person than potentially, I mean, they'll be spending more, often contractors and builders are spending more time with their clients than they are with their families. So, mm-hmm. it has to, the communication for me is always the key and finding contractors and builders who are willing to meet you where your needs are at. They see themselves as the expert. They see that their role is to educate and guide you and to state this is what this is how we do it and uh, and this is why it works. And I think that that if yeah, you're, if you're working with somebody and they you can see that they're confidently responding to you and that they have a process and a system that they can guide you through, that should fill you with a lot of confidence. And as you say, that doing all of those other checks is always essential. So um, so yeah, Sean, I'm loving this. It's just music to my ears. So yeah. <laughs> well, now, and th- another thing, another thing for homeowners too is, and this is what I teach my clients, and I work with contractors all over the world. And and that what homeowners have to realize too is that contractors feel very alone. They feel very alone because they think they're the only ones that aren't making enough. They, they feel like they're, they don't, they don't feel like they can challenge a homeowner or, um, or they're, they're just not comp, they're confident in their technical abilities, but they're not confident in, in the sales or the communication, um, side of it. And that, that can, that really harms their business. But when I'm working with a contractor and for example, when I say, okay, you need to charge your homeowners to put their plans together. I teach, you know, we, you can give free estimates, but proposals are work and you charge for that. And often I hear, oh my, well, well, no one does that. No contractor does that. And every time that I hear that, I teach my clients to confidently say, great, that's a great opportunity for you to differentiate yourself. I'm actually giving a speech later this week in Las Vegas. We're saying being the only is better than being the best. See, every contractor, good or bad, thinks that they're the best. But when you're a contractor or when you're a homeowner and you realize and you come across a contractor that is doing something that nobody else is, that's not that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's probably a good thing because it means if they're the only one doing it this way. Now, I'm not talking about, oh, this contractor only works in cash and doesn't have a contract. I'm not talking about those only things. But when when they lay out a process that's different from other contractors, that might be an indication that you at least need to consider them. They're pro- they may be a little bit higher in their price, but they're probably going to be a little bit more detailed in their scope of work and and a little bit better with their customer service and the experience that they're going to provide too. So that's what I always say too is, Man, when, when somebody says, oh, no one else is doing that, great. Let's hone in and do that because that will differentiate you from everybody else. And from a homeowner's perspective, if you realize that those are good things, that, that might be an indication that you have a really good contractor there. And if you do, you may pay a little bit more for it, but they're also going to be able to explain 
everything to you. And the communication with those really good contractors usually isn't a problem. And the, the other thing I will say, too, for, for homeowners, um, especially for your audience, is you have to understand that contractors are people pleasers. It's in their nature. They make things with their hands so that it will please other people. And they get a lot of enjoyment out of that. What they do not get enjoyment out of is sitting in front of a computer and typing up a change order and making sure that that their contract, you know, that you understand every clause because there is some tension there when you say, you know, we're going to this is the payment schedule and we get this paid up front or this is how we deal with change orders. That creates a little tension for them because just by nature they want to take care of people. That's what's that's what's in their that, the good ones, that's what's in their heart. So you have to understand that that's where a lot of contractors are coming from is that they're people players and they want to take care of you. Unfortunately, the way that comes across is, is they don't stop work and explain things and say, this is extra, this wasn't included. And, and some of those other things that by the end of the project, when they, you know, when you get that change order for $10,000, the homeowner's mad as they should be because they didn't realize it was coming up, but it came from a place where the contractor was just like, I just wanted, well, we'll take care of it later because I want, I don't want there to be any tension. I want everybody to be happy. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but that's, that's who contractors at heart are. They're people pleasers and they want to take care of you. Uh, and it's, and it's really, like you said very early on, there's a few bad apples out there that are really taking advantage of people. And th that's, that's what everybody gets. A lot of contractors get lumped into sometimes, but at heart, we're just people pleasers. That's our problem. Yeah, and my my goal always is for for homeowners to know what they need to know so that they can find the right people to work with because I feel if we continue to shine light on the great operators in the industry, we'll squeeze out the dodgy ones and we'll elevate the experience for everyone involved. And so I think that that, you know, there's a there's a lot of negativity around that builders make money at all, you know, and I think we need to we need to all remember that we're paying sometimes 400% markups on retail products and, you know, yeah. and and for some reason we begrudge a builder who might do you know, two or three projects a year, a, a, a 15 or 20% margin, you know? So it's, I know it's a great big, it's a significant uh, amount of money to us when we're paying for it. Um, but we, we've got to remember that these people are running businesses, employing people, feeding their families. And Dwayne Pierce, who's the builder that I've collaborated with a lot, he said, look, to run an admin team in an office, purely just a couple of staff and to have that office running is generally 10% of your business costs. So, you know, if you're not making a margin that's bigger than that, you're not making any profit. So it's, mm -hmm. it's this thing. It's not, it's, I, I want to see that homeowners find builders who are great, who they potentially might have to pay a little bit more for, but that means that they're not going to be stung with un unexpected costs along the way. We're still a builder going bankrupt in the middle of a job and leaving them with a half-finished house. You know, that they're going to have a builder that's still going to be around in 15 to 20 years' time that they know that they can call on if they need something fixed in the house. Like you don't want to deal with builders who are going out the back door fast and won't even see out their warranties. So it's, you know, it's, it's this thing that I think we need to just strip from the from the whole relationship between homeowners and builders that it's it is it is totally fine for a builder to make money. We expect to make money every day, and let's just be mm -hmm. all honest and frank about it, and and uh, and make sure that we're building really good communication around it as well. And so I think that um, I think that it's really great to see that builders are getting the help that they need to be able to understand that they've got to manage expectations around these things and differentiate themselves from those um, those bad eggs or those bad apples that are tarnishing it for everyone. You mentioned early on in that that last answer about 
charging for for bids and quotes and estimates this is something mm-hmm. that i've been talking to the ua community a lot about the importance of bringing in builders on early as part of the design process paying them for that quoting and how much that can then assist with ensuring that you're creating a design in alignment with your budget and not running into that issue that we see happen so often where you hit your you know contract stage and you start doing your tenders and your bids and your your projects two and three times over what you wanted to spend. You've already emotionally fallen in love with it, potentially got approvals, all those types of things. How do you um, – what do you see the benefits are for contractors uh, quoting, basically p- being paid for their quotes and their estimates? Yeah, I'll, I'll explain it to this, especially when I was running my construction business. It was just a small uh, residential remodeling company. And this is one of those things that I kind of just stumbled. We, we were talking earlier. This is one of those things I stumbled across. It wasn't like I started my business and I had this system in place. And because I'm all that smart, I was really just, as I said, I was just too dumb to know any different and then eventually kind of figured it out. But what I would tell homeowners when I was when I was talking to homeowners and said, okay, well, we'll um, and, and we've talked about their bud or we've talked about they've described their project to me. I said, okay, well, what's your budget? And they they may or may not tell me their budget. And if they didn't, that's okay. I would give them a number and say, well, it sounds like sounds like the project you were describing, for example, let's say it was a hundred thousand dollars. And they would say, Well, we're not gonna spend a hundred thousand dollars. I say, Well, great. Two seconds ago, you didn't know what the budget is, and now we know it's not a hundred thousand dollars. So then I would say, okay, well, how does $90,000 sound? Well, we're not going to spend that either. And eventually we'll get to a number uh, that they would say, okay, well, we have $75,000 in our budget. Great. That, that is not a problem for us because we do that all the time. The project you described is $100,000. So if any contractor says that they could do it for seventy-five, they're either ignorant or they're incompetent. So this may not be the right project for us because you described a $100,000 project, but you only have seventy-five. The way that we can help you with that is that you would hire us to come in and work with you uh, to help you make some selections and maybe change some things around to get it down to that $75,000. That's going to take a lot of work. We're going to meet several times over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to do drawings, and we're going to do all of this kind of stuff, but that is that is work, and we're going to help you get there, and we, we can build you a $75,000 project, no problem. In fact, we're probably going to plan for a $65,000 project and build in $10,000 in contingency because things will change. And we're so professional at what we do, we can predict the future. We know that you're going to upgrade some things and want to have some other things. You know, so it's that it's that kind of conversation that I would have uh, with, with a homeowner. And I would just – and so someone that doesn't agree with that, a homeowner that says, well, I've talked to three other contractors and they've already given me a price and you're much, your estimate, what you're telling me, is already – 30% higher than them. Then I would say, oh, you've already talked to three people and they've given you a number. Let me ask you, why haven't you hired them? And there's there's only, and homeowners that are listening out there, you will never answer that question. And I understand that. But here's why. Here's the answer to that question 100% of the time. If someone has given you a number and you haven't, to, to do a scope of work and you haven't hired them, it's because you don't trust them. So when you're comparing me as 30%, 20% higher than someone you don't trust, it doesn't really make sense. And then I will go into explain to the homeowner. And sometimes, you know, people get a little offended sometimes, but that's why you kind of got to walk walk through it very slowly. I'll say, okay, let's imagine this. Let's imagine that that I, I go out and I look at 10 projects. And I, at me, as speaking as the contractor, I go out and I look at 10 projects and I spend time putting it together for everybody, and I get three of them. That's a 30% closing rate, which isn't too bad for a remodeling contractor. Then I would ask the homeowner, who pays for the other, the seven that I don't get? 
And oftentimes you'll get a response, well, that's just the cost of doing business. And, and I love it when they say that. I'll say, you're exactly right. It is the cost of doing business. And who pays for that cost? And sometimes they don't know what kind of where I'm going. Uh, or sometimes they say, well, and here's the answer to that. It's the three people that hired me to do the work. And so I, I feel like if I don't charge for my proposals, then I'm overcharging the people that I should be rewarding for hiring me. So I'll say that's why we charge for proposals, because your job should cost exactly what your job should cost. And it shouldn't depend on my ability or inability to sell anybody else. So that's why we have to charge you to do this work. And so they say, well, you're going to charge me to come out and give an estimate. That's where I kind of back up and say, no, we just gave you an estimate. It sounds like it's about one hundred thousand dollars. We're professionals and we do this all the time. It could certainly be 90. It could certainly be something else. But that was your estimate, and we didn't charge you anything for that. To come out, to meet with you, to develop a scope of work, to do all of the work, do, do all the stuff, well, that's work, and we get paid to do work. And, our, here's, and then that's where I get – but if you hire us to do that work, here's the process we'll follow, and here's the experience that you'll have. Some people get very offended at that because contractors are supposed to work for free, and those are, those are the – type of homeowners that are going to put other contractors out of business. So let them go do that for somebody else. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, it works on so many levels to do this because you get to actually test the relationship with the contractor before you're in the stressful scenario of construction. You know, construction needs to happen simply and efficiently and smoothly for, for, for you to minimize headache and risk overall. And if you're just like starting to work with the contractor at that point and, t- and testing all the boundaries of your ability to relate to each other and communicate with each other, that's a really like it's literally a very stressful situation. Whereas if you bring them in early, involve them in the process, get your design and your estimate or your, your, your design and your cost working on in alignment with each other, you get to build up all of this fantastic communication and rapport before you've even hit that stressful scenario of construction mm-hmm. on site. And, you know, you and I were, were talking earlier about the fact that I, well, for me as a designer, what I see happen for homeowners is the builder or contractor then understands the design. They understand the level of investment that's gone into creating the design itself and they become you know if they're working if the homeowner is working with a, a building designer or an architect and they bring the builder in as part of that that collaborative team then you get another ambassador for your design you get somebody who gets all of this effort what are the deal breakers what are we going to what's really going to wreck the design if we change it on site why are things a certain way rather than a contractor coming in at the point of construction and going why on earth was this designed this way I can build it this way that's right so, you know and it, and it just undoing all of that work and effort and money that you spent on professional fees um, you know in the in those early stages so I also see you know um, Dwayne Pierce the builder that I mentioned earlier he um, he he talks about how successful this has been in terms of he knows now that his his conversion rate on his on his bids are significantly higher that then has an onflow effect to his he can then manage his costs he's mm-hmm. then his all of his subcontractors all of his trades they then know that if they quote a job for dps constructions they're more likely to get their job so they then modify their prices because they're not building in all of that free time and that free estimate and quoting so That's they right. can give him better prices and then he passes that on to the homeowner they also know that that job is the most likely to come off so they make time in their schedule for dps construction 
reductions in those projects. And the same thing with the trades. They and the suppliers, you know, it, t- it can take sometimes weeks and weeks for you to get a framing price out of the hardware, but they know that DPS Constructions is most likely to get that job, so they turn it around in a much faster time frame. So there's all this beautiful on-flow effect that actually gets passed on to the homeowner in benefit. And it is that thing, nothing is ever done for free. It, the cost gets built in somewhere. I say this the same thing with builders who are offering who are offering free design services. It's not free. It's not like that drafts person's working for free to do that. It comes in yeah. the business cost and it gets into into the bottom line somewhere. So I think if we can really get people understanding that that, that design, bid, build model is broken. It is broken, it's yeah. It's totally broken. It's the cause of so much heartache and drama. And if you can build, bring the builder – and the thing, at the end of the day, like I know working for a large development company – the construction team were at the table during our design conversations from the very start, you know, and in project home companies, big, you know, big um, volume builders, the builders are in the t- in the design team right at the start. Like this happens at a commercial level. It should be happening at a one-to-one homeowner builder designer level as well. So, um, so yeah, I think it's fantastic that that's what you're teaching your yeah. coaching clients as well. For your homeowners that, that are listening, if, they re- if you really want to weed through and, and get to the top contractors, instead of calling contractors up and saying, we'd like you to bid on this job, just say, we'd like to interview you. So I would always say, I'll interview against anybody. I don't bid at all, but I will interview. So if I'm being one of three or five, I will be happy to come and meet you and, and interview and talk about our company and talk about our process. That is the cost of doing business. That is marketing. And so it, instead of saying to a, a contractor, well, we'd like you, know, you to give us an estimate or we'd like you to bid, just change the conversation and say, we just like to interview you. And that could be a, as much as, you know, as little as a 15, 30 minute conversation. And you will hear a completely different tone of voice from a contractor when they're saying, well, wait a minute. You don't want me to do, do any work. You just want to talk to me. Yeah, I, I want to learn about your business. I want to learn about who you are, and then we can get to the money later. Um, and it, so if you would just say, I would like to interview three contractors, or we are entering, we're, we're interviewing a few contractors before we go on to start planning this project, the, the good contractors are going to beat down your door to be part of that. Because everyone else, again, this is the, be the only homeowner that's doing this. Everyone else is asking them the bid and they're running around like crazy. They're going to forget those and service you when you just say, I just like to interview you before we make a decision. That's a great tip. That's a, yeah, that's an awesome piece of advice. I recently read a, um, a blog of yours and uh, it was just, it was so well put um, in terms of explaining uh, a really big issue for homeowners when they're seeking quotes and bids from from builders and contractors because I see a lot of homeowners want to get a price per line item against everything in their quote and they don't really understand why a builder won't give it to them and um, and I encourage um, homeowners to not expect it um, because of a whole series of challenges I think that they have with that and um, I, I don't expect builders to provide it but I do expect builders to provide a line item scope and then a lump mm-hmm. sum cost. Can you talk through? And the and the, the blog was was titled "Transparency is not trust." And it, for me, it was just it was just oh, it was so well put. And I'm going to pop it the, um, the link to it in the resources so that everybody can read it because it was it was just so succinctly described in terms of this. Can you talk through this? Why you wrote it and and what your position is on this um, not having line item pricing in a in a in an estimate or a quote and why why transparency is not trust in that whole process. 
Yeah. First of all, let me say, I wish that I came up with that line, but again, I stole it from somebody else. And I, and I, and I, I linked to her in the, in the blog post there, it was a podcast that I heard and, and uh, her name is, I think Rachel Botsman and she has a whole book on and it's scientific study on transparency, trust, and what happens in our brain and all that, all that kind of stuff. It's fascinating stuff. But that's where I got that idea from. And I realized it, it applied to line item pricing. So I, I, I will say this. If you go and meet with, a, if a contractor goes and meets with a homeowner and they talk about a project and then they disappear for a week or two weeks and there's been no communication, there's been no questions. And then they come back with this number for this whole thing, then yeah, you're probably going to have some questions to say, how did we even get here? Especially if you didn't talk about the budget first, this, this whole like, Oh, I, Sean Van Dyke said not to, you know, not to give out line item pricing. No, uh, first of all, the, the way that you establish the trust is by communicating with them. So what's your budget? And we work that can or can't be done for that much. Well, how much would you like to spend on your finishes or the framing package might be this much? Then when you go through and you have all that information, you have a detailed scope of work. They're not surprised when you come back at $110,000 because you told them a couple of weeks ago, your budget's going to have to go up a little bit because of these specific decisions that you made. So it's not just flat across the board. You never give, you know, never give line item pricing, but the communication has to be there. But in, in general, this is what, this is what happens when, when homeowners ask for line item pricing. It's because they don't trust something and they're curious and they want to know, but they really, you ha- this is where you have to help the homeowner as, as you being the professional, it, it's, it's kind of hard to say it, but they don't know what they don't know. And they don't know when they're asking bad questions either, because it's the same thing as when, so when a homeowner says, Hey, I would like you to give me line item pricing. I would say, well, we don't do line item pricing because it usually causes confusion. And what it does is it takes this complicated construction project and makes it look like a shopping list. As if you can, you, again, I don't know what you call them there in Australia. We call them porta johns the, the, uh, the, temper, the yep. temper, yeah, portal Okay, see, <laughs> I, love, I love the I love the terms there. Okay, so the portal that's even fun. That's even funner to say. I might just start saying that here. Uh, you really don't want to know what that thing costs because you're not going to go out and buy that service from another portal company. You you know you you really the the uh, the floor protection and the dust barriers and all. If I show you that information and it's for different projects, I mean, it could be several thousand dollars. You're going to think, well, I don't want to spend all that money on cardboard and plastic and RAM board and all of this, you know, negative air fans. And, and, and it's that, yes, you do. You want your contractor to spend thousands of dollars protecting your house. But when you see it out there like that, then it looks like a shopping list. And it looks like I can take this line, this line item and stick it back on the shelf. And you can't even – and so let's talk about the price of that one thing. Let's say, for example, your, your painter. That was, that's always a big one because homeowners, no offense out there, you can't paint like a professional painter can. Everybody's like, oh, I'll do the painting myself. But let's say you know, that, that you have a line item price on there and it's $1,200 for painting. Oh, well, well I can do that myself. I'm going to take that out. And then you want to just reduce the price. But you have to say that $1,200 isn't a retail price. That $1,200 includes the management and, and the overhead for the contractor, and it also includes a cost to develop a relationship over years and years with a painter where you can say, come, come out here and paint this house and get it done in two days and clean up 
and get out of here so we can finish up this project. If you take that $1,200 and compare it to something else and someone says, oh, they're ripping you off, that painting should only cost you $600. That's not, it's not a retail price. So that's why line item pricing looks very confusing. Now that doesn't mean that I don't recommend you uh, develop, you might have phases of the project. And that, that may be very appropriate to say, especially on larger projects, um, getting, you know, getting to uh, getting out of the ground and getting dried in. That's going to be X amount of dollars because they they need that information to make some decisions on finishes or other things. So if we're looking at 200, 500,000, even a, even for custom home builders, too, you yeah. may develop some phasing pricing so that you can know where the money's going to be spent. But but providing every line item for a lot of that stuff is just going to create confusion. So when I present it to, to homeowners and, just, and they would ask me, do you, you know, do you do line item pricing? I say, no, we don't do line item pricing because it creates confusion. But what questions do you have? What are your concerns? And they'll say, well, well, how much do you have in there for the, for the drywall? It's about $2,000. What else? Anything else that's a concern? There's usually one or two things that they're concerned about. But if you give them line item pricing on 50 on 50 line items, it's not they don't care about the portal. They don't care about the dumpster. In fact, it creates opportunities for arguments because they're like they have no idea that that the that the dumpsters cost what they cost. And when you put that number out there, they may be shocked. And so that's why I would tell homeowners, too. Or when I train contractors, I said it's the same thing that homeowners don't do this. Like they don't go onto the car lot. Let's say Mercedes Benz, for example. A sixty-five, seventy thousand dollar vehicle, and look at it and say, "Oh, well, how much is the steering wheel?" Because, because <laughs> you can't get the steering wheel unless you buy the whole car, right? So I'm going to take the car, but take the seats out and the steering wheel out. The guy's going to, the salesperson's going to tell you, um, "You need to go down the street to the used car lot where some cars are missing some steering wheels. Here, we're going to sell you the whole package." Yeah, no, I think I think that's a fantastic analogy. And I think too, it is that thing of that shopping list. People do look down the and they look at the big chunky amounts like the plumbing costs or the electrical costs. And they don't, it's like you say, they don't understand that there's a whole series of relationship and coordination and, you know, that that electrician might need to come out to site, you know, seven or eight different times at different stages throughout the project. And that price is based on the convenience of the, of the contractor knowing he can make that happen. And he can manage that, and it can call co- or she, and they can coordinate it, and and they can also delay it a couple of days if things aren't going on time. There's a whole heap of stuff that's built into that price. And for me, I've received quotes from builders where it's literally a single line line on a letter that says this project is going to cost X. And then I've had line item quoting where I've had all of the numbers down, the amounts. And if I ever get that, all I do is I look at it as a percentage basis of the total. And I think, well, if there's a, if there's, you know, sort of 15% sitting against that amount of money, is there any scope in us for us to play with that? Have we gone overboard right. in the specifications, you know? And then I get, but for me, the big thing about seeing the line item quoting is I want to see the scope. I want to see that a contractor has wrapped their head around what is included in this project because the single line letter on the letter with a lump sum against it tells me that this, well, for me, it tells me that a contractor hasn't really invested the time to go through the drawings, go through the specifications and really understand what this project's including. And also if I'm comparing them and there's allowances being put against things like tiles or tapware or any of the sanitary wear or those types of things, I want to know, I want to know what those allowances are 
because I want to know if one builder or contractor has quote has assumed an allowance of $40 a square meter for a tile versus another contractor assuming $100 a square meter for, for a tile. It's not going to make streets of change in the overall lump sum, but it's going to, it's going to let me know that that homeowner is potentially going to have um, to deal with a variation down the track. We always encourage all of our homeowner community to make all of their selections before they sign a contract yeah. anyway, so that there's no, yeah. there's no room for that. Lots of homeowners seem to like to delay those decisions until they're right in the, under the pump to have to make them for some reason. But um, yeah, for, for us, signing a contract with all of those selections in place is a far better outcome overall. But yeah, I think that I think that that if a homeowner can remember transparency is not trust and and what am I what am I actually reacting to? Why am I needing to see this extra information? Because when I've seen good contractors, good builders in operation, the trust is built built well before the price comes out. Right. You know? And and that that title to explain that a little bit, transparency is not trust. And again, this is this is taken from from Rachel's from Rachel's book. Um, what the way that she describes that is that for for example, if uh, my wife came to me and said, "Give me your cell phone. I want to see all of your emails and all of your text messages, uh, and 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 I need you to be transparent because I trust you." No, it, it's actually the opposite. Not needing to see my cell phone is trust. So if you need to see everything and monitor it, then that is transparency. But transparency is not trust. Trust is when we say, okay, here's how we're going to operate. This is how we're going to interact. And this is how we're going to move forward. And if and if you don't do those things that we said that we were going to do, then I might not trust you. And then we may need to invoke some transparency in order to reestablish the trust. But when a homeowner says, well, you know, you're, if you're not going to give this to me, then how, how do I know that I can trust you? Well, tr- you, what you're asking for, they, they're, they're not, as Rachel says, they're not bedfellows. They're, they're two different things. And if homeowners need to be careful, good contractors, I, w- I always say this kind of tongue in cheek, too, is saying, oh, well, if you want to see line item pricing, then let me see your bank account. How- <laughs> How do I know that you have the money to pay for this? Because transparency is means it goes both ways. And in the in the blog post thing that you're referring to, I say a lot of times it transparency is a one way or like a two way mirror. You've seen a police shows like that you're through which you're being interrogated through, but you can't see back to the homeowner side. So for your homeowners out there that think, oh well, you know, I really need to see all this information. What if the contractor were to ask you for that same level of transparency? Would you be comfortable in sharing what your salary is and what your bank account is before you start the project? Because you're essentially asking the same thing. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And I think this is the thing we, we, we want to, we're ultimately seeking to build collaborative trusting relationships. And so so there's a whole other avenues through which you can achieve that beyond interrogating somebody as to, you know, why they need to run their business to charge this profit margin to charge, you know, all of those kinds of conversations that you do see homeowners really wonder about contractors and contractors not really know how to, to give a homeowner confidence around. So I think, um, I think there's some great advice in those conversations. Now I'm, I'm running out of time, unfortunately, and I, I just, what I hope um, I can ask you this last question. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> There's um there's a lot of you know 
best plan, planned projects, something will, there will always be a hiccup. There's always going to be a difficulty. I find a lot of my listening community are female. They have a lot of difficulty having conversations that they feel might be too confrontational. They want to be liked by their builder because they know that it's a relationship and they want to get along. I've seen female homeowners do things like put on barbecues for their builders and make sure that, you know, they drop off coffees every morning and like all mm-hmm. sorts of things to make, to keep things smooth and happy. But the things, because the things still come up, and there's always difficulty. How do you recommend homeowners and contractors work together, and particularly how contractors should handle this situation? If you know they do run it, we call them variations. Um, you call them change orders, but something's coming up legally. The contract requires a contractor to get permission to proceed on the work prior to you know all of those kinds of things. How do you recommend that difficulty, that that niggling point happens and and is best managed in a in a professional project? Yeah, so it starts again with the contract. They have the the homeowner has to understand and be comfortable with the change order process. Meaning, things might change, and if they do, here's how we're going to handle them. And work may need to stop on this thing, whatever it is, so that we can we can price it out uh, appropriately, and we're going to get that signed off. Or you will agree. Th- this is what I teach my clients. You either, you either do a lump sum just like you would anything else, scope it out and price it and they can approve it or not approve it. Or you would have in your contract an hourly rate, meaning we opened up this wall. We had no idea. Nobody, we can't see through walls and this was done wrong. We need to fix it before we close it back up. It's going to be three or four hours for a couple of guys um, and it's no problem. Do you want us to quote it or would you like to proceed with the hourly rate? This, well, if it's just going to be a few hours and we say, okay, we don't know based on what we have right now. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, you got to stop. You got to write that down and it's got to get signed off right there. Even if it's an hourly thing, yeah, just send me a bill for it or whatever. That's the easiest way. And I, what I teach my clients is you do that the very first time it happens. And no offense to your homeowners out, out, out there, but when they walk onto a job site and they get excited and they start pointing, they need to hear little little cash register ka-ching, signs ka-ching. going off. Ka-ching. Oh, <laughs> let's add a can light over there or I'd really like a switch here now that I see it. And I understand you don't you can't see that on the plans, right? But now you're like, I would like a fourth light switch over here and I would like something. Just don't do like every time you point, that costs you money. But I, it, which, which is fine if you want to spend money, just realize your contractor should be charging you for that. But I even here's what I do with my 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 clients. They say, well, even for the small stuff, Sean, that seems like nickeling and diming them. And I say, no, we want to be able to. I mean, you've got to uh, you want to move move an electrical box. I mean, adding a what we call can lights here. You guys got them pot lights. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think what you call a can light. Is that just a wall light or is that a no, it's like so a it's down up light. in the ceiling. Downlight. Yeah. Yeah. Downlight. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta learn the language. Okay. So they added some that they added some, you know, downlights or whatever. I mean that's significant. That's you know, seventy five, hundred and twenty five bucks or or whatever. But something small, I would incur I encourage my contractors to write up a change order. And there's three parts to a change order. Always, always, always. There is the scope, there is the price, and there is the schedule. It is not a change order in my book unless it has all three things because if you leave something off of that, it's going to create confusion. But what I encourage my contractors to do for the small stuff when, when it comes up is you write, you write a no-cost change order, meaning you say, okay, here's this little scope change that you made. Here's the cost to do it. Let's say it was 50 bucks, 55 bucks or whatever, and here's the additional time that would be on the schedule. And then at the bottom of that, I draw a red line through it, 
and say, here's your deduct for it. And I hand it to them and say, we, I do pick up some time on the schedule, but I will give them a zero cost change order to say, we are keeping track of this stuff, but we're not going to charge you for every little thing. And if you do that from the very beginning, it just sets the tone with the homeowner. And then they're more likely to come ask you to, even for the small stuff, Hey, what, what is it going to cost for me? Because the, again, the, the contractors are people pleasers. They don't want to feel like they're, that you're being, that they're nickel and diming you. But if you keep nickel and diming them, it's going to add up. And that's where they kind of try to get thousands of dollars at the end when they have time to kind of look at the bills and say, oh my gosh, if we had stopped this behavior or we had dealt with this at the very beginning, then we could have, you know, we wouldn't be in this mess. And that's what creates all this tension. So I tell my clients, contractors, to hit them with change orders as soon as you can, but make as many of them zero as you can just to help curb the the behavior as long as the and then the homeowners understand they come to the contractor when they step on the job site and say I think I have to make a change great let's stop let's talk about it let's give you a price let's make a decision before we move on and then we avoid all of that stuff at the end yeah that's very I've seen a lot of builders get into a lot of trouble where they've said oh look we'll just we'll just manage it and we'll catch it all up at the end and like you say the invoices then start coming through they realize that the job has gone over what they initially quoted and they say to the homeowner I've seen builders even turn around and want to charge a homeowner an extra $50,000 at the end of a project um, which has been like an extra 15% and just the arguments and the legal battles that then ensue whereas if that builder had actually been saying along the way this is what this was costing us and in in Australia the variation or the change order margin is generally higher than the standard margin inside the contract price. And, and it does it, you know, I encourage my UA community do not like you are far better um, suited to not change anything once construction starts. Yes, there may be inevitably things that you haven't realized were going to happen and are going to be big compromises for you to have to live with, but understand it's always going to come at a time and a money cost, potentially both general and definitely one of them. So, and it is, it's that, it's that value proposition like we don't we don't expect everybody to work for us for free we shouldn't expect our contractors to do that either it all you know and it's like well they're there they're just doing it anyway and it's like well yes but it still delays yeah. something so, down the track yeah. you know so, so yeah when i hit so that's that's for your homeowners too so i'll go back to the doctor example so let's say that you go to the doctor to have your appendix taken out and before you are put under right just tell the doctor well i mean you got everybody here your tools are right there just go ahead and give me a nose job while we're doing it. I mean, it's <laughs> right. It's no, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. It's the same thing for contractors. Trust me when you say, don't ever say that to a contractor for your homeowners out there. Well, you're, I mean, you're going to be here anyway. That's exactly <laughs> what they'll, what, what a contractor thinks is you're right. I am here to do this job. Yeah. And now you're asking me to do something that's really completely different, yeah. which is at a completely different price point because now I can't work efficiently. You're asking me to work inefficiently, which is going to be a very expensive price. And then you see just again. So you'll see that one line item for that one thing and think this is how he's, he or she's applied it to the whole project. And that's where that, that uh, that trust starts to get eroded. So for your yeah, for your homeowners out there, I've I've heard that too. Like, oh, you're here anyway, and you've got your tools. You know, <laughs> uh, Sean, it has been such a joy to talk with you about all of this information and to have you share so candidly. Uh, I, you know, for me, this is about 
opening the doors for everybody involved in this industry because it should be enjoyable for all involved. It should be as enjoyable for the homeowner as it is for the contractor, as it is for the subbies, as it is for the designer. You know, this should be creating homes is an incredible and unique opportunity that we have. We only generally do it once or twice in our lives for ourselves if we're remodeling or building. And it, it, and as a, as a contractor, I know that those who do it, they do it because they love doing it. They do it out of a sheer passion to make these things for people with their hands and to be part of that process of seeing, you know, seeing that something that they go to do and work every day becomes this, you know, this this place for people to live. And so I think that if we can hold on to the fact that this needs to be enjoyable for everybody and that we can build these really open and uh, fantastic trusting relationships with everybody in our team, then you get out the other side and you may have had certain hiccups along the way, but you're still all able to be friends. Remember the, the you know, so I, I get so sad when I hear homeowners say it was a horrible experience. We never want to do it again. And they're living in this beautiful home, but it was torturous for them to achieve, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not the, it doesn't have to be like that. So I'm really excited to be able to to share you with the UA community and, oh, uh, <laughs> and to um, and I really encourage um, even I think that it's great for homeowners to see how somebody like you who's coaching people in the in the construction industry and you do so many speaking gigs and you know you get out there and you share a lot of information really generously to be able to see it from the other side um, I think helps you be um, better in terms of how you go about the process as a homeowner and help you be better informed in finding the good operators in the industry because you can see what they're being taught in terms of running successful businesses um, and and though, so then you can start to anticipate what those systems and processes that you should be looking for are and what, what kind of people you should be working with. So I can't thank you enough for your time today, Sean. Cheers. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. This is so exciting. This is my first, uh, yeah, my first, I think this is my first international podcast. So. <laughs> We'll promote it like that. Yeah. (laughs) Cheers, Sean. Now, I sincerely hope that you enjoyed that interview and you learned some great tips and strategies. As a homeowner, I think you'll now be well armed with some great ways to have conversations and interviews with your potential contractors and builders to be sure that you're creating a trusting relationship and bringing the right one on board your project. Head to the show notes or this blog on Undercover Architects website where I share links to how you can find Sean and get in touch with him. Sean has some brilliant resources on his website, both for builders and contractors and for homeowners. And I'd really love it if you can reach out and thank him if you enjoyed this interview. I know my guests always love hearing feedback about how their knowledge has helped you. Now, this is an edited version of my full interview with Sean, and you can find the full version featured inside my online course for American homeowners, the Welcome Home course, as a special bonus for members. Now, if you're thinking about renovating or building your family home, you're already researching and planning, or you're even in the design stages, you're going to want to check out the online courses I have called How to Get It Right in Your Reno or New Home and the Welcome Home course. So How to Get It Right is tailored for Australian homeowners. And in the Welcome Home course, I team up with award-winning American architect, Eric Reinholdt, to create a specific course for American homeowners. Both courses They take you through my step-by-step system from the very start to the very finish of your renovation or building project. And I'll explain a bit more about that in a minute. Look, as Undercover Architect has grown as an online business, I really love being able to reach and connect with homeowners from all corners of the globe. I've got almost 25 years industry experience in design, building and renovating in Australia. And what I found is that this step-by-step system of mine for any renovation or new building project, the one that I've been using in client projects and in my own projects for all of that time, when I actually teach the system to you, you like 
what I see time and time again is how it can help you as a homeowner save time, money and stress in your project. And so that's what these courses do. When you have the steps to follow, the map for your journey ahead, you can then move confidently towards that future home that you're dreaming of and not waste any time or money. When you know that that step-by-step system has been created over decades of experience in hundreds of hundreds of family homes like yours, you can save so much stress in your project and create a home that works and feels great. And when you have the steps, as well as the professional know-how, design knowledge, tools, resources, and guides, you can seriously shortcut your journey. You can enjoy your experience and you can avoid the heartache and drama so many endure. If you're keen to make your journey simpler, be confident in the home that you're creating is actually achievable and know the steps to get you there, these online courses are the way. In them, I've literally packaged up what is in my head and my heart from almost 25 years experience to show you the way to your future family home. Do you want to learn more about the courses? Well, if you're an Aussie, if you're an Australian homeowner, head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash get it right. And if you're an American homeowner, head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash welcome home and you'll be able to find out all the information about each of those courses there and I've got a special bonus for the gorgeous UA community podcast listeners this is the first time I've ever done this actually just use the code podcast all right the word podcast you have to type it in to the coupon code when you go through and buy you'll immediately access $50 off okay so you'll get a $50 saving when you use the coupon code podcast so those links again are Australians undercoverarchitect.com forward slash get it right and americans undercoverarchitect.com forward slash welcome home as always thank you so much for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally until next time bye